I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9. Have you ever gone on vacation and you, 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 you went and you thought you had a good time, everything went great, and, and you come back and somebody just tells you all about everything you missed? So, <laughs> oh, I didn't see that. No, no, I didn't. We used to do that all the time. We'd go traveling in our RV or whatever, and we'd come back. Well, did you go here? No, I didn't even know that place existed. I guess I just blew right. Have you ever just done that? That's sort of what I want to speak to you about today. What are we missing? Are we experiencing all that God has for you? So uh, it'll be a little bit different message than you're probably used to me preaching. Uh, I'm going to do something a little bit different for you today that I feel like the Lord laid on my heart. But in Hebrews chapter 9, we'll start reading uh, at verse 16 and go through 25. It says, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them. And their sins and iniquity will I remember no more. Now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus... By a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from the evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another so much more, uh, so much the more as you see the day approaching. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that you would just give me the words to speak this morning. Uh, that you would uh, help me to proclaim the truth of your word boldly. Lord, make me to, to speak clearly that they understand, that I understand. Lord, we hear that word and that we're doers of that word. We just thank you for this time that we have together. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Just uh, in brief, I know a lot of you, and I've explained before, the, the book of Hebrews was written by we don't really know who. Some uh, suggest maybe Paul. Uh, they suggest several different things, but the, the main point is the book of Hebrews was written to the Hebrews. It was explaining to them that uh, all the Old Testament, all the tabernacle and the law and, and all the things that they did, it's all come to, to fruition. It's all come to, uh, to light in the, in the life and the body, the death, the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He is the fulfillment of all that. Uh, it says throughout the book of Hebrews that he is our high priest uh, that he died once and for all for the sins of the world. Um, and he's going on and talking about the covenant uh, that, that God made that I will write my laws on their heart. You know, the first time he wrote them on a tablet and gave them to Moses, right? But what he's talking about is after the, that Christ comes, he will, he will write the law on your heart. 
you'll know within you what is right and what is wrong. If you've accepted Jesus as your personal Savior, the Holy Spirit comes to indwell you. And what's inside you, the Holy Spirit within you, will reveal the law of God. Uh, what God wants, what he doesn't want, and all the rest. So, so that's what he's talking about. I'll write it on their hearts. Uh, it's not going to be on stone tablets and, and, and uh, the, the Torah and, and the scrolls. It's not going to be there. I will put the law on their heart. And uh, when Christ dies, their sins and re- iniquities, uh, I will remember no more. Uh, and he goes on in there and uh, talking about this and the experience of what Christ has done and the fulfillment of what he's done and what a difference it's made. And then you get to verse 20 and it says, by a new and living way. See, we take it for granted, the, the salvation that we have. We take it for granted, uh, Christianity today. It's altogether different than the Old Testament, right? Anybody ever studied the Old Testament? You study the New Testament, it's a totally different ball game. That's what he's talking about. It's a new and living way. Christ has fulfilled all that, brought a new covenant, a new testament, uh, that uh, how God would deal with people, how God deals with sin. It's a new and living way. Well, I wanted to share with you this morning, as you think about those verses, uh, a lot of us, we just take, take that for granted, as I said. And, and we, we come to the point in our life where we understand God's grace. We understand that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. We accept him as our personal savior, maybe as a child or an adult or, or whatever. And, and now I'm saved, right? And that's good enough. God's done everything he wants to do for you right there, right? I'm glad some of you are shaking your head no. Because there's too many Christians throughout the, this whole country and throughout the world, I, I would suppose, that just think that's all there is to it. I'm saved. I like to call it fire insurance. They're not going to hell. They got fire insurance by the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm going to heaven, and I'll just live the rest of my days the best I can. That's not what God's got for you. Let me share with you a story, and this is where it gets different. I told you I'm not much of a storyteller. But this one is very uh, dear to my heart or, or personal, a thing that I experienced. And, and I'll be honest with you, when I experienced it, I didn't know God would use it probably 15, 20 years later in a message. But as he brought this to my, remem- my, my memory, I thought, wow, this falls right into what we're talking about, uh, the point that I'm trying to get across. So several years ago, you know, I, I used to go elk hunting out Colorado a lot. Ken, you can probably relate to that, and some of the others ever been out to Colorado. And uh, we go out there and we go hunting. Well, I remember one hunt. Uh, uh, morning, we'd go out and we'd get up a couple hours before daylight, and we'd pack our little uh, backpacks and we'd get our water and our little uh, camelbacks and we'd fill them with much water as we could. Trust me, people, if you hadn't been out in Colorado in the Rockies at high altitude, please take water. If you don't take anything else, take lots of water. You're going to need it. Dry altitude, high, or dry climate, high altitudes, you're going to have a headache that's killer. And water is about the only thing that's going to help you. 
Kendo, he's like, yeah, <laughs> I've been there, done that. But you need, we'd pack up our bags, get as much water as we could, uh, a couple hours before day. I know, Daryl, you find it hard to believe a couple hours before daylight, but I used to do that. But uh, we would get up. There were certain things. I had priorities then, you know. I'd get up and go hunting. But we'd get enough food and water for the day, and uh, we'd take off on our journey up the mountain. We would, we would climb. Uh, we we are camped at somewhere around 8,500 feet. Now, nowhere in the state of Georgia is there anything that high that I know of. Maybe some, I don't know if any skyscrapers that high. But we would camp around 8,500 feet, and we would take off and, and go up the road and a little ways, and then we'd cut up this little trail, and then we'd come up to a ridge. Now, here it's a mountain. Out there they called it a ridge. It was just huge, and it stretched all the way across, and we were camped at the base of it. And uh, we were going to climb to around 10,000 feet. We had to go over the top of this ridge, down the other side a little ways, and then we come up this beautiful basin. Man, it was awesome. I mean, if you don't know what a basin is, it's just sort of like a bowl in the mountains. And usually there's a wet spring in there. There's a lot of aspens and green trees, and, oh, it's gorgeous. Uh, we'd stand up and look over that basin and just hear the elk bugle. You're talking about a beautiful sound. Uh, you could hear birds singing. and We'd sit on the side of that mountain. And it was just a wonderful time as we hiked up that ridge. It, uh, like I said, we went up about 1,500 feet. And you think, well, that's not much. Hold on. And then we walk about three-quarters of a mile. And you think, well, that's not much. Uh, usually it would take us about two hours to make this trip. It's a little more difficult at that altitude. It's a little more. Now, you take that 1,500 feet, and you think, well, that's not but from here to the road out there. Well, put it at an angle like this, and then do it. But that's what we would do, and it was wonderful. You know, I, I, uh, I, I just loved every minute of it that we would do this. But let, I want to go back just a minute to my first trip out there. The first time that I tried to climb Mendicant Ridge, uh, we, we took off uh, and began our hike, uh, and we got to the base of the ridge, and my brother was with me, and he said, yeah, this is where we're going to trail, and he said, now just get ready. You know, you got plenty of water? You got plenty? Yeah, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. I got about 400 yards, and I was going... <gasps> I couldn't breathe. My legs felt like jello. I could, I, there's no way I'm going to go. You think 400 yards, 1,500 feet. Now, you got to understand, if you've never been out there, they call switchbacks. You're going up this mountain like this. And that 1,500 feet turns into probably a mile or so by the time you do all the switchbacks. And they're just gradual slopes. But at that altitude, in the shape that I was in... I was walking for all I could, and at 400 yards, I felt like my, my, my chest was just caving in. My heart was going to pop out of my chest. My legs felt like jelly, and I swear my brother got a plastic bag and put it over my head. I couldn't breathe. And some of you haven't ever done that. Just, just go home, put a plastic bag over your head, and take a straw and try to breathe through that straw while you're running down the road. That's about what it feels like. My clothes skin. <laughs> that's about what it's like it was difficult I, I, uh, 
I, I, I could, I'd just walk and, and I would regain my composure a little bit and uh, get my breath back a little bit, my heart rate down, and I'd walk about 20 more feet and I had to do it again. I mean, it was just terrible. I couldn't believe it. I, you know, I, I want so bad to get to the top of this ridge. I want to go up there and my brothers told me about it and I want to see it, but I'm not sure I'm going to make it. I go 20 feet and stop. <sighs> My brother's standing there going, you ready? I used to call him the goat man. He rode bicycles, good shape, nothing like me. Uh, but it, we'd go about 20 feet or so. And finally, after about an hour of that, uh, my brother, he'd go on up and I'd catch up with him. And, you know, I'm thinking, okay, we're going to sit here and wait. And when I'd get to him, then he'd take off again. I wait a minute, I'm going to rest a while. But I would rest, and he stopped one time, and he waited on me this time. Oh, good. He's fixing to tell me something good. We're almost to the top. Almost there. My brother says, we're about halfway. You think you can make it? <laughs> I said, no. I'm not going to make it. There's no way I can do it. You know, now I don't even have legs. I mean, the ones that felt like jelly, I don't even feel them anymore. Uh, you know, and my heart is racing like crazy, and and uh, we're only halfway. And and I explained to him that that it would be okay if he just buried me right here. My wife would understand; it'll be fine. Uh, just bury me right here. It's a beautiful place on the side of the mountain. It'll be okay. So that's what I did. He didn't bury me, but I stayed right there. About halfway up, my brother went on up over the mountain. And I thought, well, this is a good place to hunt. You know, I, I got next to some, some, they call it dark timber, where the evergreens come down the side of the mountain. Gorgeous. And beside that was a, a big uh, avalanche area. Have you ever, you ever seen on the mountains, you see just fingers of green timber and then a bare spot? Well, that's where the snow builds up so much, and when it falls, it takes out all the trees. So I'm on the side of this avalanche spot in the dark timber. I think, this is awesome, you know. I'm only halfway up the mountain, but I can see all the way up to the top just about, and I can see all the way to the bottom. I'll see something if it crosses here. So I spent the day sitting there halfway up the mountain. And it was okay until the sun started to really come up good. And then these things they call thermals take place. When the sun comes up over the horizon and it starts warming the top of the Rockies, Guess where the cold air goes? It starts running down the mountain. So now it's already like 28 degrees. I'm out of breath and dying with no legs. And now I'm freezing to death because this gentle breeze is constantly blowing on me. I'm wanting the sunrise, but the sunrise is on the other side of the mountain. All I'm getting is a cold breeze. All of a sudden they're shivering. If something walked out, there's no way I can even shoot at it. You know, I'm shaking so much. Now this might interest some of you or whatever, but it's got a point. It, it makes a real clear point to what I feel like my message is today. Uh, you know, halfway up that mountain, as beautiful as it was, I could see you out of pretty good ways and, and all the rest. And as a matter of fact, it was sort of strange. I was sitting there and I heard an airplane. Oh, wow. Where's that airplane at? Remember, I'm at this time, I'm probably about 9,700 feet, 9,600 feet. 
I'm looking all over for the airplane. I and I finally catch movement. Airplane's down there. I'm above an airplane, looking down on top of an airplane. It was crazy, but it was beautiful. And I experienced some things that I never would have or if I hadn't never done that. But see, I still was only halfway up. I hadn't prepared for my body. I hadn't prepared myself for what was to come. I didn't think it'd be that big a deal, honestly. I'm, at that time, I was in my mid-30s. I can handle this. Uh, but I had no idea the, 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 the strain that it would cause on my body. I, I had no idea. I mean, he told me that the air was thin, but I didn't know it was bad enough to put a plastic bag over your head and try to suck through a straw bed. I had no idea, but I was content to sit there on the side of the mountain and just look at what I could, freeze to death, and just hope my brother would come back and we could get back to camp at some point. I was content with that the first trip, but after I had talked to my brother some more, and as I started out my story, I told you about the other side. The next year, I made sure that I was ready to go to the other side. Uh, typically it would take me about an hour to get up there and then I, I made it a goal in my life to cut that time. I finally got down to about 32 minutes that I could climb the ridge and I could go the other side and I could sit on the other side of that mountain and when the sun rose, you know what I didn't get? Cold. I just got the warmth of the sun. Let the thermals fall if they want to. That sun's good and warm up here. And you talking about, you know, I told you on the side, of the, halfway up the mountain, I could see a little bit down, a little bit up, but it was dark timber on both sides. Dark timber is the, asp or the evergreens, for those that don't know. And you can't really see it. It's so dense that they call it dark timber. You can't really see in it much. And that was pretty neat. But on top of the mountain... I could see cities way off in the distance. I could see the Black Canyon of the Gunnison out there in the valley. I could see other mountains miles and miles away. It was gorgeous, beautiful. And those are the times that I've shared with you before where I, I just sat there on the side of the mountain and, and me and God just had a good time of worship him in all of his glory. Wonderful time. Never saw an elk. But all the time that I had with God at the top of that mountain. But I'd never experienced it had I not prepared myself. I'd never experienced it had I not pushed myself to do better, to, to want to strive to do more and, and to experience it, uh, uh, more. I never would have experienced it had I not done that. He said, Brother Kenny, what in the world has that got to do with Hebrews chapter 9? What are you talking about? See, I think a lot of times that most Christians are just like that. They're content that I'm saved. But they never experience all that God has for them. Yes, salvation is awesome. Grace is awesome. That I'm going to spend eternity with my Savior in heaven. There is no greater joy. But people, there's more to it than that. And we sit on our pews and we do our thing and church is just something we do because whatever, you fill in the blank. But we're content 
just right there when there's a whole mountaintop to see. There's more beauty to God than you will never know if you don't study his word, if you don't spend time alone with him. If you don't get involved in, in the Bible studies and Sunday schools and, and learn more. Do you know, uh, I was listening to a guy this week that he was speaking in a men's conference. And I thought, wow, what a point this is. So very true. We accept the fact that we don't know anything about our religion and it's okay. Huh? What are you talking about? See, people, how you know you? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but how long have you been saved? Ten years, twenty years, thirty years, forty years, fifty years? Can you explain to someone the doctrines of the gospel? Can you explain to someone the truth of Jesus Christ? Can you explain to someone how to be saved? We asked that Wednesday night in our Bible study. How comfortable are you at that? And you know what it is? If somebody asks you about something, well, tell me about the Trinity of God, or, or tell me about this. Oh, um, uh, go ask the preacher. All right? Preacher can tell you. If you've been saved 10, 20, 30 years, you ought to be able to tell them. The truth be known. But we're happy and we're content where we are. And we don't want to push harder. And we, we just want to have our little fire insurance and come to church and sing our songs. And it's okay. I'm just trying to speak truth to you today. The guy that was telling this story, he said, you know, it, it would be like a, a brick mason. You know, and, and in churches today, a young young man or, or, or young woman comes up, and man, they're just on fire for the, for the gospel. They want to know more about the Word, and, and they're just really digging deep and asking deep theological questions. And, and you know what we tell them? You need to go to seminary. You're going to be a preacher. Why can't that person just be a Christian? Just be a Christian that wants to know God in a deeper way. And he said, it, as he gave this example, I wish I could claim it, but I'm not going to do it. But if he gave this example, it'd be like a guy going to a bricklayer that had been laying bricks for 40 years. And a young man comes up to him and says, hey, you've done this all your life. Would you teach me how? And the bricklayer said, oh, I don't know nothing about it. It'd be just as crazy. As Christians were content halfway up the mountain. We're content right where we are. Don't bother me, preacher. I don't want to, you know what? That King James is so hard to read. I just don't have time. <clears throat> Excuse me. Time. You have time for what you want to do. If I have learned anything in my life and about people, they're going to make time to do what they want to do. So that's not a good one. 
What's most important to you? Jesus said, where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. And I'm not, I'm really not trying to step on toes today. I'm trying to encourage you. There's something on the other side of the mountain that's glorious, that's wonderful, that God has for you. Come on. Get on your exercise bike. Get on, get on, start walking, start doing, get in God's word, start studying and find out the glory of God. Get involved in Bible studies. Get involved in Sunday school. It's not just a Sunday morning thing. There's so much more that God wants you to experience. I've given you the illustration of the tabernacle where you have the, the outer cord and that's where the brazen altar is and, and that's where the sacrifices are made and, and, and you go to the laver and then you go into the holy place and the table, table of showbread and the golden lampstand and the altar of incense and then you have the veil and beyond the veil is the holy of holies where the ark of the covenant is where the cherubims over, overshadow the mercy seat of God and inside there is the, 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 the law, the, the two plates, the law that God gave Moses and Aaron's rod and manna. That's all they kept in that. But if you're like most Christians that are happy with halfway up the mountain, you know where you're going to stay? In the outer court. Because see, the brazen altar is a picture of the cross. That's where Jesus died and shed his blood for the sins of the world. And most Christians spend their entire Christian life wandering around in the outer court and they never go into the holy place and have fellowship at the table of showbread, walking in the light of his word. At the altar of incense where, whole, where sweet prayers, sweet fragrances go up in the nostrils of God as you pray and pre- sing praises to his name. And then on beyond that, the Holy of Holies, where God's Shekinah glory would come down. And the high priest would actually be in the very presence of a holy God. Wow, what an experience that would be, you think. God wants you to have that experience with him. Hebrews is all about, that's all the fulfillment of Christ. Christ fulfilled every bit of that. The tabernacle was all about that. All about him. And guess what? What happened when Christ died? You remember there was earthquakes and darkness and the, the graves opened up. Men walked or people walked around town. What's something else that happened when Christ died? The veil rent from top to bottom. <clears throat> Go back to our verse, our, our verse 20. By a new and living way which he hath consecrated, consecrated for us through the veil. That is to say, his flesh. See, that veil is a picture of Christ's body that was broken, that we would have direct access to the glory of God. He died for your sins, yes. He died that you'd have eternal life with, with him in glory forever. But he died that you would have a direct access to the Father. To experience all of his glory. And you're walking around in the outer court. Halfway up the mountain. 
just content because I just can't do anymore. That's the way I felt. I just can't do anymore. What do you want to do? Uh, what, what gets us there? What do you want to do to change that? I'm asking you. I don't know. You, only you know your schedule. Only you know your heart. Only you know uh, what's going on. I mean, we're, we're distracted by cares of this world. I know. Oh, preacher, I'm just so busy. I got this to do. I got that to do. You know, Jesus talked about that in Mark 4. He said, and these are the, they which he's talking, you know, he's talking about the sower and the seeds. He gives an example of a certain group of seeds. He said, these are they which are sown among the thorns, which hear the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things enter in and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. I mean, you might leave here and say, well, Brother Kenny stepped on my toes. I got to get big. I got to start studying this. I got to start looking at this. And you read and read and read. Oh, I sure would like to have a new boat. Let me put this up and go work another couple hours. Sort of a little silly illustration, I guess. But that's what we do. We, we get ca- ca- care, more care about the world. And I'm not saying it's bad to have things, bad to have riches. But when, when your things and riches are more important than God, then it becomes a problem. And that's what he's talking about with these seeds. Uh, I actually think he's probably talking about unbelievers here in that scripture. The ones that hear the word. And they go, oh yeah, Jesus died, but yeah, I just I can't do that Christian thing right now. I got I got a I got a job I gotta do. I got I got living I want to do. So maybe you're an unsaved person and you just don't have time for God. You don't really understand or you're just happy on your side of the world. But you don't really want any more. How about a Christian? Luke 10, 38 says, uh, Now it came to pass as they went into the, entered a certain village, a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. You all know Martha, right? Very good lady, very nice lady. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was covered with much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost dost thou not care that my sister have left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she come help me. You get the picture. Jesus has come to Mary and Martha's house. And Martha's doing like Miss Cindy back there, making sure the house is just right. That the food has got just the right amount of salt and everything's perfect. She does a great job at that. All you women do. I mean, that's what you women do. Oh, Rob, you're talking about Robin. Somebody comes to our house and they say, whew, I got to leave. I can't stand, I can't handle the stress. But everything's got to be so, so to her. And that's Martha. All worried about what the house looks like. And is it... Is it clean? Did I sweet? Does it food taste right? Do I have enough plates? Do I have enough silverware? Do I have enough cup? Am I out of ice? You know, all the things going through Martha's mind. And she's running all over the house like crazy. Because Jesus is coming. That's noble, isn't it? And her cotton-picking sister. What is she doing? She's just sitting there the whole time. 
Not even helping Martha. What in the world is she thinking? She's sitting at Jesus' feet, hearing his word. Look what Jesus said back to Martha. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha. I can just hear him say that. Yeah, if he had a southern accent, Martha, Martha. <laughs> Thou art careful and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen the good part. Which shall not be taken away from her. I'm not about to tell her to get up. Mary has chosen the most important thing, and that's at my feet, hearing my word, worshiping my holiness. She is caught up in his glory. She's gone to the other side of the ridge. She knows how beautiful it is, and she don't want to leave that spot. But Martha, she's content down there halfway up the mountain because I got a lot to do here, and I just can't go on. You see what I'm saying? You say, oh, God, I, I had no idea God would use that, uh, what I experienced on that mountain that day to use today. But man, I say, thank you, Lord. You taught me some things in that. I want to share it with others. And, 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 and Jesus says, I'm not taking that away. Christians, we can get too busy. Work, 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 work. And we forget to worship. We forget to hear his word. We're just all caught up in the problems and things that we think we need to take care of. And we leave Christ out when there's so much more to experience. We become so focused on things around us that we think are important. We forget the most important things. That's what Jesus said. Mary's doing the most important thing, Martha. We're tempted. I, I, uh, we get we get distracted. We get tempted. First uh, John two sixteen. He puts uh, all temptation. You know, are in three categories. Uh, you have the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. All sin falls in all. And throw y'all can write this down. They teach this in in in, uh, in Bible school. All sin falls in one of those three categories. Lest the threat when Jesus was tempted on the mountain, what Satan do? First thing he did is tempted him with bread. He been not eating for forty days. He certainly needed to eat, but he tempted him with what his body needed. He, he certainly needed, but he tempted him to do it in a wrong way, to, to disobey what God had called him to do or told him to do. And then he, and then he brought him out and he, he tempted him with the lust of the eye. And then he tempted him with the pride of life and that he said, you'd bow down and worship me. I'll give you everything you see. All sins begin in one of those three categories. So when you're tempted, look at what you're doing. Look at what's going on around you. When you're tempted to say, you know, I just don't want to get involved in church. I don't want to do this. I don't want to study my Bible. Which category does it fall in the reason you don't want to do it? Because my flesh just don't want to? Because I see something that looked more fun to do than go hang out with a bunch of 
people at church. Or have I got a, something else that I need to get? I got, I got this farm I need. I got this I need. To, I got that I need. All sin or all temptation falls within that. By a new, verse 20, by a new and living way, Jesus Christ died for us on the cross that we would come out from under the law. That we no more that that we no more had to stop halfway up the mountain. We can now go all the way to the top and see the glory of God. We no more stop at the veil. It's been rent. It's out of the way. We can walk right into the the uh, glory of God and and sit down in His lap and cry, "Abba, Father." People, He's got so much for. And I, I feel like I'm preaching to the choir. Y'all are here. It's the vacant spots in the pews that probably need to hear this more. I understand that. But just like if I saw the magnificent glory of the Rocky Mountains and a sunrise and the crisp air and the smell of aspens and evergreens and the beauty of the birds singing, if I never told anybody else about it, yeah, it's good for me. But boy, I get a lot of joy telling other people about my experience. I want you to experience what I experienced. And it's the same with God's Word. Have I experienced everything God has? Absolutely not. But it's my prayer for each and every one of you. Uh, it's my prayer for this community for all, that they would know God. And first, that it takes coming to Him by salvation. And then if you're saved, there's more than the outer court, people. God wants you to come right into the Holy of Holies and just visit with him through the blood. See, the high priest couldn't go in that Holy of Holies just because he wanted to. The only time he could ever go in there is if he was carrying the blood. The way we access God the Father is through the blood of Jesus Christ. But now we don't have to just wait and do it once a year. We can do it at all times. So he said it's a new and living way that Christ has provided for us. He said, let us draw near. Let it, let us, let's come to that realization of a, with a true heart, with full assurance of our faith, having our hearts sprinkled from evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith. Do you know what you believe? Could you tell somebody else what you believe? Have you experienced God in a, in a wonderful, glorious way? Do you share that with others? Or is it just for you? And it says without wavering. That without wavering to me is is without being tempted, without being distracted, without putting my feelings and my thoughts and my aches and pains and whatever, I put all that aside. And God, I want to do all that I do with my life for your glory. Because God, I want to experience all of you. I don't want just halfway. Father, I want all of you. 
Father, we thank you for this message today. We thank you for the ones that have come, Lord. That uh, I pray that you would just speak to their hearts now. Lord, just help them to, to search their heart, just between you and them. Have I just accepted halfway? Have I just said it's okay just where I'm at? Or am I striving to just experience all of you? Father, it's my prayer that they would experience all of you. Yeah, it's going to be difficult. Yeah, there'll be tough times. And yeah, you don't think you can go on at times. And you just don't feel like you have it within you sometimes. But Father, the notice the fact of knowing that you're right there with us. And that every step we take, every burden we take, you're taking that step with us. You're feeling that burden with us. And Father, we just thank you and glorify you for that today. We could not do it without you. Lord, I pray that we'd experience you in all of your glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.